Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market side overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Brian Kelly, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Ahead on Fast, new kids on the block, Pinterest and Zoom soaring in their trading debuts. We'll bring you the latest on those stocks. Plus, a dope pot deal, Canopy buying acreage holdings for $3.4 billion. We broke the story last <laughs> night on the show. We'll sit down in an exclusive interview with both CEOs later this hour. But we start off with earnings excitement as we head into the busiest week of the season. Nearly half the Dow will be reporting. And then there are the tech darlings, Facebook, Amazon, and Tesla. With the market so close to all-time highs, we thought today would be the perfect time to play a little trade it or fade it into those reports. Exciting. We all know how this works, presumably. Uh, let's take a look at some of those down names, starting with Boeing. So, Guy, trade it or Can fade it? Can I ask you a question? I, of course. So how does it work? Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Is it Christmas? It is a holiday this yeah. weekend, Sorry. right? Yeah. And it's a very pastel time of year. So I, I think I Green Easter, out. right? Yeah, every no, I, I, you know, It's a it, strong this color. This is not a fashion show. That's not Clearly. pastel. That's not First of all, don't we usually have the graphics that we fire for trade it? Or fade it. We didn't do it tonight. So, can you still play the game without yeah, the graphics? I can still play the game because I've learned how to play the game right, now. Go ahead. Trade it, Mel. All Boeing, right. you trade. And they say, what are you, nuts? You see all the news headlines in Boeing, and you're correct. But you still, even in a worst-case scenario for Boeing, you still have probably 25 to 30% EPS growth. Trades at 16 times forward numbers, which for Boeing is probably cheap. Some of the best cash flow out there. And look what City just put out a couple weeks ago. They see, obviously, there's going to be some hiccups, but the fix is a manageable fix, and they have a $450 price target on it. I think the earnings will surprise to the upside. I think 380 is a gift, in way, my opinion. Way too much headline risk. If you, if you look at that chart right there, it looks like a baby head and shoulders right on the right side of that screen. Oh, so, so you got a fade. Sounds like a fader. I, w- I would be a fader of that. There still is too much uncharted territory going forward. You don't know how this is going to play out. The stock has had a willy mammoth run. I think that run has a lot of That means it's endangered. Oh. It's, it's endangered. That's, is that the yeah. parallel? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's Willie right. Mammoth, so, though. Did you say Willie? He's from Staten Island. Oh, brother. okay. <laughs> but I, I think we have seen this before, and I guess this is my point on Boeing. I recognize that there still could be some headline risk, but we've had cases where we've had planes grounded, where we've had the company in the public eye. And frankly, um, right now, Boeing's safety record is unchallenged uh, on some level at, until we get to a place where the news is different. Meanwhile, you're left with the company that on fundamentals, uh, guy was talking about free cash flow. How about 18 bucks a share uh, in 2019? This is a company that, to me, despite even some pushback you could see in orders, the fact that we've seen a lot of the companies, uh, the airlines themselves, push back. Uh, I think the stock also has had its chance to digest this news. Mm-hmm. Trader. So the problem I have, though, is the longer it goes on without a solution, then there is more risk to this, right? So I was actually relatively surprised and constructive about how well this stock traded right after the incident. But now we're starting to carry on and carry on, and you have to question, when are these going to be? Yeah, fade it. But That's what a pre- I mean, to be fair, there's a preliminary software fix, and the bright side to this preliminary software fix is that it doesn't require fight, flight simulator training. It's just computerized training, and, and airlines can do that much faster than with simulators. Which are oh, I'll tell you, BK's not getting on one of those things. In I'm fact, not going to be the first guy on that. It's thing. the second Somebody software fix. I, in other words, for this, I think they've come ahead of the problem. I think it's the smart thing to do. May I submit a, a bit of a complaint? Just a wee bit of a complaint. Already? I noticed three both, minutes into the show, and you want to complain about something? I noticed that both Steve and Brian, as is their want or as is their right, mm-hmm. they both said. 
faded. faded. And their, yeah. their graphics fired because I saw the little red thing and I heard the buzzer in my ear. You don't think yeah. your yet, graphics fired? Yet when Tim and I said trade it, I didn't hear the little green thing. <laughs> oh, you know, don't play the baby crying. It's the green screen. <laughs> They didn't see it because they didn't show up on your shirt. Sure. Thank you very much for that. It feels so much better. I, just, I, wanna, Appreciate it. I want the folks at home to get a, the right the full experience. Full experience. Full, I can't wait till we play Trade It or Fade It, your shirt. <laughs> I will know what the answer is. Boom! Well, you complain like Boom. five times in the first oh, well, three minutes early. of the show. You, you get it. Back. All right. Intel, near 20-year highs. BK, Trade It or Fade It. Yeah, I'm going to go start right off with a Fade It on this one. And primarily it's just because the run it has had, as well as the run the semiconductors in general I've had. They look really frothy to me. It's not that I like it. I dislike Intel, but just as a pure trading call at this point, I think you have to fade it. See, I would trade it all day long. And to me, if I'm going in the semis, uh, why would I want to be in one of these high margin, high growth, high multiple semis at a time when people are still questioning the growth? The, the diversified model of Intel, the valuation, you even get a decent dividend. I think they've, they've solved the C-suite issues. Intel all day long, trading it. Exiting the modem chip business is also good for margins for Intel. It's great for margins. They get to work on efficiencies in their other businesses. And without having to service Apple, that took a lot of away from them. It's already up 25% year to date. I think you're going to see... You might see a little bit of a ratcheting back on this one, but this is one that I would stick with and trade it. Trade it. You buy it against 57. 57 was that previous high. To Steve's point, it's had a big run, but valuation is reasonable at close to 13 times forward earnings. So 3-1 trade it against BK's one mm-hmm. faded. I'm against. happy with that. Against. BK likes to be on the other side of that. Let's see where we stand on Exxon. Tim, trade it or fade it? Right out of the gates. Uh, I have to trade it. Of all the big integrated, Exxon's my least favorite. Let's be clear. I mean, there's production issues on the top line. Uh, There's actually been some issues even on on the expense side. But bottom line here is the big unit has the best balance sheet of any of the guys in the space at a time when, relative to the price of Brent and relative to itself at these levels in Brent, Exxon is actually very cheap here. So I, I, I like it. Yeah, oil still looks fantastic. No matter what you throw at oil, it continues to go higher. you got to like this space. You trade this one. I'm with Tim, though. I think you're probably better off like looking at the oil, the XOP, the expiration. But if you want to pick one particular one, trade this one. You well, guys shirt this one. You this definitely one. guy shirt this one. What does that one. mean? I don't that means you that fade means. it? Is that Willie Mammoth? That means Mammoth? I'm going to fade it because <laughs> I was fade that shirt. He's the guy who just You definitely trade this one. And you remember when we played the little dating game episode after Chevron? We all picked Exxon, did we not? As the acquirer. Yes. That means that stock theoretically would go down. A short-term, short-term blip, but it makes it a lot more productive going forward. So I think you trade it or guy shirt it. I I, I hate to do this to you because you did it to me last night because you asked me a question. You knew I probably didn't know the answer. What are you talking about? When are the elections? Right. But it It wasn't Karen. You asked me. I mean, there's a very good chance. What's your name? I didn't know the answer. Okay, go on. Uh, Tim mentioned the big unit. Can you tell the folks at home what the the nickname of the big, any idea whatsoever? And don't look for people in your ear right (laughs) now. I will tell you, though, that Randy Johnson, who pitched for the Yankees for a little while, what the big unit. Trade Exxon, yeah. by the way, I agree. At 15 times, it's, in, terms of, in terms of multiple right now, it's on the lower end of the spectrum. You've had a decent run. It seems to have sort of tapered off at 81 bucks. I think it gets its giddy up back post earnings. I don't understand what big unit had to do with any of that. Tim said. Tim said. Big Exxon said. Exxon is known as yeah. the big, big unit. Randy yeah. Johnson okay. was the big unit. Right. He certainly was tremendous in his day. I didn't think we were going to talk Got about it. it, though. Here we are. The more you know. Well, uh, Procter & Gamble hitting an all-time high in today's session. Steve, trade it or fade it? I, I would uh, trade this one as well. Green shirt this one as well. It, it, has, a, it has a... Hold sh- on, that's faded. Yeah, green shirt stuff. Are you faded. buying his shirt or selling it? Wait, uh, it's wait, green. Wait, what did I say? You said it's you would trade it and you would green shirt yeah. it. 
Green so green shirt bad. I thought you didn't oh, like wait, the shirt. Anyway, it's green. you're trading it. it. Why are you trading it at all? Right? Oh, I understand. Dude, Why are you trading no, it at all? It's green and green. I got it. He's, he's my yeah, green. green. I right. thought we were selling his shirt. I know. Color. Who's on first? Totally. Anyway, I don't know. Why are you buying? Why are you buying P and G? Because first of all, it blows earnings out of the water. It's had 15 straight quarters of beating estimates. This is a chart that you could. It's undeniable. I get it on valuation. It's getting expensive. I hear you, but the chart is unbelievable. Trade it. The chart is unbelievable. What concerns me about this is the U.S. dollar. Multinational U.S. dollar looks like it might want to break out. So in this particular case, I fade it, even though most of millennials don't like to talk about the U.S. dollar. They should look at it, particularly in this case. We have uh, some bonus rounds that we shall do. <laughs> like, 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 the the, like, I like the, like, like the, the Jonas Brothers are three of them, but there's... What we call a bonus actually, Jonas, actually the little one. There's actually four. There's actually four. And he's the bonus, the bonus Jonas. Hold on, tangent. I've got three bells tonight. Is that Kevin? Jonas? Um, first I don't up, think I'm not sure. Can we Jonas. proceed with this? Uh, Facebook of 36% this year. BK, trade or fade it? You know what? I am going to trade this one, which you might think is a little unusual, but I think they've got a lot going on here. Not only are they restructuring, they're putting everything together, but I think people are underestimating Facebook coin. And if they can use that as a payment rail, that actually could really add a lot of earnings to this company. So I I am a trader or a buyer of the Facebook. Nice. There is a story today that they accidentally uploaded all a these email addresses bit, of new bit, users. I mean, if you data issue sign again. Facebook and like, oh, I don't care about the privacy issue. Oops. Yeah. My email addresses got uploaded. Yeah, so so uh, you have to be impressed on some level that the you know, the service itself hasn't seen a major deterioration in, in usage. And in fact, um, I would argue that that's good news for the company. I'm going to fade this one for sure because I, I just think Facebook continues to underperform uh, mega cap tech for these reasons around privacy. I think they've adjusted and still I'm out. Bonus round number two. Wow. Oh. Um, I love that. Um, Amazon, Guy, trade it or fade it? Well, you know, Steve Grosso said something the other day, and Jeff Bezos sort of gave a warning. I thought he gave a warning, and when Steve said it, you know, it resonated with me. Talked about potentially, you know, spending money and all things you pretty much don't want to hear. I think he was setting up for what could be a disappointing earnings call. So although the stock is a monster, I'm not saying I don't like the stock. I don't like it into earnings. So I would say to answer your question, I should have said it right off the bat, fade it, Melms. Okay. Trade it or fade it, Steve Grasso. Fade it. I'm going I'm to stick with that premise as well. When a CEO tells you that there's going to be a tough slog ahead, you listen to the CEO and you sell the stock, you fade the stock. Yeah, Tim. Uh, trading it, guys. Uh, oh. When the CEO tells you, he probably the market's had a chance to digest that news and assess where Facebook's profitability now. I don't think is as important as it has been in the past. We know there've been times when we haven't cared. Uh, look, the valuation is tough to stomach, but I stay in this name. All right. Despite all the growth fears, stocks are near the highs heading into the thick of earnings season. Our next guest says it's rally on from here. Let's bring in Jeff Mills, the co-chief investment strategist at PNC Financial Services. Jeff, always good to see you. Good to be here. So we're so close to the highs right now. What's the next thing? I mean, will earnings send us higher? Will we see that new high within the I think they can. Period? I mean, I think the market can eventually make new highs from here. You know, when I talk to our clients, both retail and institutional, I think there are two things keeping them from enthusiastically chasing this rally higher. And I think the resolution of those two things ends up being better than feared at the end of the day. So the one thing is the global growth slowdown, which obviously everyone's focused on. And the other one is earnings. So I think everyone now is anticipating fourth quarter earnings basically collapsing from current levels. And I think those two things are kind of inextricably linked. So from a global growth perspective, I've said it on the show before, you've seen further evidence of the China credit cycle bottoming. March data was better. Banks lent out a record number for the first quarter of 2019. 
And typically when you see the Chinese credit cycle bottom, about nine months later, global growth bottom. So you look around August, you start to see better uh, data out of places like Europe, for example. And that relates back to the U.S. markets because that helps U.S. foreign profitability. I actually brought a chart along with me. I don't know if they can throw it up on the screen, but it looks at composite China PMI versus U.S. foreign corporate profits. There's been an 85% correlation over the past five years. So if you get that bottoming in global growth, Uh the support for foreign profits, then maybe earnings don't have to come down as much in the fourth quarter as people think. So it sounds like you want to be all in on cyclicals. What sorts of cyclicals would you like at this point? Um, And would you go with sort of the rah-rah, like tech, for instance, where we are at record highs? Or would you go for the value cyclical, like, for instance, banks? Yeah, we would probably stay away from banks here. And I think you kind of go with what has worked so far. And I think tech is one of those stories. You know, it's when you think about tech revenues, if you look at the biggest tech companies, um, 60% of revenues levered internationally, much more in the broad market. So more level to a global growth stabilization. I even like consumer discretionary here. You saw retail sales numbers. You saw unemployment claims, again, extremely low. And the fear there is that they're levered to rising wages. What you've seen is unit labor costs actually come down because you've had a little bit of an uptick in productivity. So from a margin perspective, I think there's a little bit of protection there. So we're sticking with what has worked so far. So, Jeff, when you when you laid it out, your premise, when you opened up here, you talked about China and you talk about when when the credit cycle is worth buying, when it's trough. But also the marketplace has to have factored in China trade being resolved. Is that not in the market already? Is it going to be a sell the news event, in your opinion, at the very least, do you think that could be your headwind? It could be. But I look at the China credit cycle and China trade as very separate things. And what I do think is if you get a trade deal that's a bit more comprehensive than the market thinks, you could actually have a little bit of a tailwind from trade. And if you look at companies that are not only levered to China trade, but also who do a fair bit of lobbying as it relates to trade, they've actually sold off a fair bit over the past number of weeks. So I think there was a lot of enthusiasm about a trade deal getting done. We've had this period to kind of drag on for a very long time. So some of that has come out of the market, not all of it. But I think you get a little bit of a boost from China trade. And the credit cycle story is completely separate in my mind. And I think there's a clear trough in December. And I think we probably continue to go up from here. So, Jeff, I'm going to give you a multiple choice. What worries you the most? What could derail this? So is it dollar, oil, Europe or the Fed? Four choices. Four choices, yeah. Or none of the or, above. Or none of the above. Or some of the above. Ultimately, I think it's, <laughs> ultimately, I think it's the Fed because that's done so much to support multiples. But I think the bar is so high for the Fed to actually hike rates right now. I kind of take that off the table a little bit. I'll point to Europe. I'll probably take that as my multiple choice answer because if you don't see that follow through in global growth and you don't see Europe start to pick up a little bit, we've seen good signs. You've seen economic sentiment indicators peak, uh, perk up a little bit. Global PMI's bottom. But as much as I like the China credit cycle now, it tends to move in these 18-month increments. So if it actually bottomed in December, then you look to the second half of 2020 for that credit cycle to roll over again. Then you have problems with global growth. And that's probably when the U.S. uh, probability for a recession perks up a little bit, too. So you could have the combination of those things playing together, and that could be a problem. Jeff, great to see you. Thank you. Have a great long weekend. Jeff Mills of PNC. Guy, how do you trade this? Well, I mean, the banks have had a decent run. I mean, your city's at $70. You haven't seen that in quite some time. But I think it's just a a bounce off an oversold condition was $50 in December. So as much as I would like to like the banks, I think they've gotten a little ahead of themselves. And now they're all basically trading right around book value, which is probably what they should be trading. So you would fade the banks. 
If we were to extend the game. game. No, we're not. I'm just saying. Games, and how about a multiple choice question? (laughs) I'll give give you ten choices. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so so Jeff talked a little bit about Europe. He talked it could be a fear. He also talked about the the cyclicality of of Europe, or I will. Um, Look at the DAX, which continues to break up. It broke the downtrend in February. It might be the best performing market in the world over the last couple weeks. Uh, China, yes, I think actually the monetary uh, kind of easing dies down a little bit. The fiscal easing and the stimulus, I should say, is is starting to really kick in. So uh, I continue to think EM and global cyclical and semis outperform. So I I do think that you obviously know what is going to hit me is the 20, the basically 2020 recession. Mm. So as, as constructive as Jeff is, it has to come, right? Recessions are normal. They're healthy. We always hear Tony Dwyer talk about that, and then no one wants to buy into them, or he says there's a window of period we could still make money on it. So I think you have to stay away from the financials. I think you go with growth, mm-hmm. and I think that's what the IPOs are telling us. People are reaching for growth at this point in the cycle. Uh, for me, it just feels frothy right now. The IPOs, the fact that the market's not responding to good China news, the fact that the market it responded a bit today uh, to the good jobs number, but it was still a struggle. I, I mean, to me, I'm just very cautious. If I'm going to play anything, I buy China. That, to me, is where this is all coming from. So why not go right to the root of the cause? All right. Coming up, the IPO party raging today as Zoom and Pinterest shine in their public debuts. We'll tell you what is Wall Street so excited about these stocks. Plus, it is the pot deal heard around the world. Canopy Growth agreeing to buy acreage holdings today. More than $3 billion. We'll speak to both CEOs live and exclusively here at the NASDAQ. And later, talk about a health scare. The group having its worst week of the year as those stocks get crushed. But Guy here says there is one name that could be on the mend. He'll tell us what that is. We are live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We have a news alert on Tesla. Let's get straight to Phil LeBeau with the very latest. Wow, Phil, Melissa, what a story. This, uh, yeah, Melissa, we, today is the deadline for a joint letter to be submitted by the SEC lawyers, along with lawyers for Tesla and lawyers for Elon Musk, basically to come up with a joint agreement, a resolution in terms of how they will handle Elon Musk's communication issues in the future. What, what guidelines should be set up there? Remember, the SEC wanted him to be held in contempt of court for some tweets that he sent out that they believe violated, at least uh, in the spirit of the letter, uh, the agreement between the SEC and Musk late last year. Now they have asked for another week after spending more than an hour conferring on the phone earlier this week. Uh, The lawyers for the SEC, lawyers for Elon Musk, Elon Musk himself, they spent an hour on the phone, but they said they have yet to work out a resolution. So they have asked the judge for a one-week delay before they submit that joint letter, which in theory will have the new terms that all parties can agree to in terms of financial communications from Elon Musk. And again, guys, remember, this has to do with how he communicates, whether or not there is pre-approval from the Tesla board when he sends out a tweet or when he does something on social media relative to pertinent market information involving Tesla. So again, they're looking for a week delay, and I'm sure the judge will grant it since the parties are talking right now. It's interesting, though, Phil. I mean, if you think about what Elon Musk has tweeted very recently, after the judge told the parties to get their reasonable pants on and actually make a deal, um, that Elon went ahead, Musk went ahead and, and tweeted things about production, tweeted yep. things about him being on Twitter, sort of flaunting the fact that, you know what, here, here I am still. And then they asked for this delay. It's just kind of weird. <laughs> well, he has made it clear. He believes that it is his right, his First Amendment right, 
to talk about these issues relative to the company. Now, the counter argument to that, Melissa, as you and I have talked about, is that he did sign this agreement when they reached the agreement with the SEC following the whole initial SEC taking them to court for the take uh, the go private tweet, etc. He signed a resolution or an agreement, not a resolution, but an agreement saying, look, I will have my financial communications pre-approved by somebody at Tesla. That has not been the case. So right. now the question becomes, can they come up with something that everybody can live by? Because Elon Musk has made it very clear. He believes this is his right to talk about the company, and he does not believe that he is putting out uh, information that has not already been conveyed either through analyst calls or through uh, reports that the company has filed, et cetera. Right. And of course, this comes ahead of the autonomy event on Monday, ahead of the earnings yep. on Wednesday. And as there were reports this morning that T. Rowe, one of the biggest shareholders, actually reduced its stake again in the latest quarter. Yeah. And, and, and you guys have talked about this before. Look at this stock over the last two years. Generally speaking, it's between that 265 and a couple of times it's spiked up well over $300. But it's been that high $200 range. You know, generally speaking, between 265 and $300 really has not done a whole lot in terms of going over the last two and a half years. If you bought it two and a half years ago and where it is now, uh, if you haven't added or subtracted from your holdings, you really haven't done much with Tesla. Yep. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau keeping you on bet. top of this uh, developing story. How do we trade this guy? Well, I mean, it's interesting. Tomorrow, market's closed tomorrow, isn't it? Yes, it and is it's, good it's odd holiday. that this announcement came after the close. Uh, well, it's weekend in the afternoon when we're talking about Tesla. I have an issue with, I take umbrage. I don't know how to spell umbrage, but I take it with that fact <laughs> that they do that after the close on Thursday in front of a long weekend. Yes. That being said, I don't necessarily think this is market moving, but I will say, you know, again, I think the stock is going to go and retest that 250 level that's sort of been the line in the sand for quite some time. Are you still short? Yeah, I'm still short. And, and I, I think the SEC issue is, to me, a bit of a red herring. I, I think it's important. I think the SEC should certainly be enforcing rules that I don't think he's following. But the more important issue here, it's not even about deliveries to me. It's about demand. And it's about the balance sheet of the company. And, and I think the investor day is, is also just, it's kind of noisy. So for me, this is really a story about demand. I know one does, I know no one believes the fact that the, the, the demand is not there, but I'm telling you, if you look at the way the company's acting, if you look at what they've been doing with pricing, and if you look at how they've been shipping certain stuff to Europe and certain stuff to China, and if you look at and you listen to the suppliers, and if you watch the trucks going in and out of the factory, I mean, this is a demand issue. It's not even a production issue anymore, and so I stay short. Well, someday the fundamentals will matter. Uh, they haven't yet. So for me, the way that I trade it is off of that 250. You don't think the, way it's tra the, the point that Phil made that it's basically range-bound, trading within a range over the past years, and you yeah. don't think the, that's the fundamentals catching up with the if stock? the fundamentals matter, this thing would be a $10 stock. It's finally wow. starting to matter. I think all the things, to your point, all the things that you were getting a pass Sounds on. Sounds like people are getting a little bit more bearish right here. here. No, I'm saying buy it against right. 250. You're that's what I'm saying. the fundamentals don't matter. I'm saying that's I'm saying, why it's not that's not that's not I'm saying if you actually valued it, right, as, as, a real, you, as a regular company. But most people do think the fundamentals matter. They think it's a growth story. They think it's a tech play. It has been a growth story. And that's what people talk about. It has been a growth story. It has been a tech story. And now when you look at the chart, it's run out of steam on both those things. Things are starting to matter at this point where they never did before for years. Yeah. Again, Monday, an autonomy event. Wednesday, earnings could be a very big Monday's week for Monday's a holiday for most of the world, by the way. All right. Still ahead, it is marijuana merger madness. Canopy growth agreeing to 
by the right to acquire acreage holdings for more than $3 billion. The CEOs will join us exclusively in just a few minutes. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC First and Business Worldwide. Much more Fast Money just two minutes away. Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Canopy Growth higher today as a Canadian cannabis company announces a $3.4 billion deal for the rights to acquire acreage holdings. The deal will take effect after either marijuana is legalized federally in the United States or if there are exchange rule changes. We are joined now exclusively by Bruce Linton, the founder and CEO of Canopy Growth. Kevin Murphy is acreage holdings founder and CEO. And we are glad and happy to have you both here on a day like today. Thank, Thank you, you for being here. Thank you. Um, this is a very unusual deal, and this is probably because it's a very unusual industry that is sort of handcuffed by the fact that the business is not federally legal in the United States. So, Bruce, can you tell me sort of the backstory, how this deal came together? Because the template of the deal is extremely important in terms right. of getting this deal done and what this could mean for future M&A. Right. So we wanted uh, at Canopy to have access to the U.S., but we also wanted to be able to stay on NYSE. We wanted the big banks to keep working with us, and we wanted Constellation to be on side to keep their money in. And so what we had to do is find a structure where we didn't put cash into the company, but instead we bought the right from shareholders to set a purchase exchange ratio today. Meaning, if we make everything double, they make twice as much. So that's why Kevin and I have to work together in terms of us lending down some of our trademarks, our knowledge, his team executing the way they have, and seeing the cost of capital come down. So it's, it's a structure where we're basically buying a right, and when it becomes federally permissible or we feel comfortable that it wouldn't cause us to be offside with those prior parties, we move. The prior parties meaning the exchanges, exchanges for instance, the so they banks. wouldn't say to you, hey, we have to delist you because you're, you're embarking in a business that's federally illegal. Right, because Canopy is doing business all around the globe. Right. And when I show up in a country and I want them to glom onto us as the best choice, mm -hmm. we don't talk about Dank Kush, we talk about Nisey and why uh, Deloitte was our auditor to start. And so these elements of credibility really help uh, win over regulators. So part of the deal is an upfront payment to shareholders, Kevin, to your shareholders, uh, $300 million. And then you set a peg in terms of what each acreage uh, share is worth compared to Canopy stock. Right now, it's not trading up to that full price of the bid. And in other deals, that would be interpreted as there are questions as to whether or not this deal will get done. What can you tell shareholders about that? Well, I think given the fact that the structure itself is so complex and so new, I think that investors need to understand exactly what it's about. Many uh, investors uh, earlier today said, geez, Murphy, you, you might have sold out too soon. Not true. It's my job as the CEO of this company to be a fiduciary for my shareholders. That means capping uh, the downside, hedging the downside, but maximizing the upside. And as Bruce pointed out, we've agreed to a ratio and if you combine the biggest player in the United States with the biggest player in Canada and abroad, mm -hmm. then it's the one plus one equals four or five. We're the bellwether for the industry and as well as Canopy does, we do and vice versa. And that's really the thought behind the, stra the, the, the strategic line. The issue of whether or not the States Act will pass is an important one, even for this deal. And I understand that you guys have told me that it doesn't matter if it passes or not. But it is important because right now it's not passed. And right now your competitors do not have the kind of access to capital that Kevin may have now with Canopy stock as a currency. So what are you going to do right now? You walk out of this building. Who are you calling? <laughs> who are you shopping for? So um, from a 
you know, we walk out of the building, we have a plan between now and the shareholder vote. So it's called 60 days. Okay. And what we do is we map out everywhere where acreage is operating, all of the brands know how we have and say, how do we license this down so you can make the most of the next 18 to 36 months until it does pass. And if it doesn't pass, well, we're still going to make the most of the next 18 to 36 months and we're going to keep dominating. And the outcome will be somebody's behind us, but we can't see them. So, and that seems to be the point where you keep talking about the structure. So this structure is what everybody in the industry has been waiting for. And at some level, have you guys just lit a fire under the entire? And does that mean that every multinational from every other um, jurisdiction who's wanted to buy in as the same concerns you do, Bruce, as a company that's listed on U.S. exchanges, has to deal with U.S. banks, is now licking their chops and saying, thanks very much for doing our work for us. We're we're coming. I I think they're going to do that. And the good news is there's only one acreage. Um, So good luck with the others sometimes. Right. So part of the reason we always move first is you get to pick part of the reason Constellation when they bought into us. Right. We were the most costly cannabis company to take a piece in. But there's a big value for quality. Big value because we're not governing them. Right. When we do this, Kevin and his team are executing. They're going to continue to have a great board and great governance. And we know that with all the tools we give them and their I'll call it the the instincts of the company, they're going to go and crush it, and we're not going to have to go, oh boy, what have we done? The others who follow in, they might get a bit of that, oh boy. And we should be clear that you, I mean, you vetted this with so many parties between lawyers, the exchanges, uh, regulators, etc. So this has really been squared away from your standpoint. But in terms of Constellation's role in this whole thing, yep. how much of a driving force had they been in choosing the target? In, in how do you get their money, basically, to acreage to do deal. I mean, how how should we think about this in terms of how active a Apparently, U.S. Yeah. right company is in well, the U.S. cannabis um, market? They have been uh, very enthusiastic that we found a path to do what we've done in the U.S. And the way we did it, obviously, their shareholders thought was quite smart as well because their stock got a great day. Because what we did is we structured some of their warrants. They're taking a potentially dilutive event and using it into an extended window to pay off what they might buy in. And because they're so strong in the U.S., down the road, maybe Kevin and I end up uh, working together because of the, the, the laws changing. And we're trying to use distributors that maybe today they only distribute alcohol. Uh, I wonder if Constellation has any ability to help with that. Things like this is their home turf. And so the enthusiasm be there, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they had to approve the deal. They had to review it all. Uh, they, of course, knew your team because they, they, they've been keeping an eye. But it really was sort of a, a canopy-driven Constellation-supported activity. Last quick question, and that is now who do you view your competitors to be? Because feasibly, you've just opened the door for big pharma, consumer products companies, you name it, mm-hmm. to use this structure as a template to do deals in the United States. So um, I think all of the credible actors will want to follow. And I think that the things that we have done and will do will make them continue to follow, but it doesn't mean they lead. You know, this is not something you just step in and take out on and you've figured out how to make APIs and run clinical research. Like part of the reason we're together is we've already begun that for several years. We're already in the phase 2B trial. So if we can actually help your sleep habits or help your grandparents or your dog, all of that research conveys down to acreage as we enter a window when FDA can take those results. Is William Well going to step aside as he's uh, embarking on his pursuit of the presidency? <laughs> We'll talk about that probably in another segment, (laughs) but uh, we love Bill Weld and, (laughs) and the rest of the group.
Okay. We're going to leave it there, guys. Thank you so much. It's, it's so great to have you here. There are a couple of, uh, you know, snags with the Squawk Box interview, but we're glad to have you here on Fast Money. It's great. Longest, have been here. Longest drum roll ever. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce great. Linton and Kevin Murphy. We appreciate it. Tim Seymour, I'm curious. You first hear news of this deal. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, first of all, that U.S. multi-state operators are, are going to all be bid, right? So the big boys, uh, GTI, who was on the show last night, or Cresco Labs, or some of the smaller guys like TerraSend. I mean, it's, it's an environment where you've got uh, an argument. U.S. assets are very cheap, and there's an avenue for companies to come in here. And you talked about it. I mean, I think big pharma. I think big consumer products. I mean, some of the companies we talked about tonight, Procter & Gamble. I mean, if they want to be, and I'm not saying Procter's coming in tomorrow, mm-hmm. but they have a legal apparatus yeah. For getting here now and having an option, by the way, it's an option. Sure. It should come in and makeup makeup companies should be coming in. There should be Estee Lauder coming in. There should be a whole host of other people coming in. But what do you do with this? You buy up any name that you, you sold know. Chronos, though, so right? I sold it. But what did I say the other night? That these things are starting to look attractive. They sold off aggressively, and unfortunately, I missed it by about a day. So I think that you're still going to have time because a lot of these names still were red today. So I think you should be a buyer of any name that you know in the uh, cannabis. Bruce piece. mentioned a Constellation Brands. So you look at it 20 times forward earnings declining business to say you can't buy the stock. But they're so far ahead of the curve on this. And now you see that the investments they made, I mean, again, they're two years ahead of everybody else. So you get long Constellation Brands on the fact that they had vision, the fact that the stock is probably not as expensive as it looks like. Mm-hmm. And it's been telling you now for the last couple of weeks that they like what they see. I, I think the pure plays are going to be the, the companies that Tim mentioned here. It's, I think we're going to look back at this deal and say this was the moment that that the mergers and acquisitions and the consolidation of the space, particularly in the U.S., started to take off. So I think you've got a huge runway here to just allocate to the space. Coming up, Pinterest and Zoom soaring in their public debut. Zoom up more than 70%. We'll bring the very latest on those stocks. Plus, Guy here stepping up to the plate, getting ready to pitch the one sickly healthcare stock he says is about to recover. Find out what he is watching when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Healthcare getting a scare this week, down 5% since Monday, turning the XLV sector ETF negative for the year in its worst week since December. But Guy says there is one sickly stock that's about to recover. He's over at the Plaza for the Fast Pitch Guy. Love the Power Pitch, one of my favorite segments, right up there with Trader to Fader, which we did earlier tonight. So for me, this is like sort of the daily double of Fast Money. And you say, what are you pitching there? And I'm going to say United Health. That comes out UNH. You'll be like, you're out of your mind. True. However, you're talking about a stock now with historically low valuations. What does that mean? Well, the last five years, middle, middle range valuation is 17 times forward earnings, traded as high as 21. It's trading 13 times next year's earnings. That's number one. Number two, those earnings I just talked about, undisrupted with all this. Everything you hear now is noise. The reason why the stock has gone from 280, in my opinion, to 220 is noise. Maybe it'll come to fruition. I think maybe there's a 10% chance, but that's what the market seems to be betting on, which leads me to my third point. The market is shooting first and asking questions later. What they're simply saying is, 
We don't want to be in this space. We get it's a great company. We get it's a great valuation. We get that earnings aren't disrupted. As a matter of fact, they got it slightly higher for the next quarter. Market doesn't seem to care. You add all that up, I think the rhetoric goes away. And I think you're talking about a stock that at these levels is the same low we made basically of March of 2018. I'm sure we have a chart. I have no way to know how to get it up there, but I'll give it a shot. Ho-ho! See, if we were to go back just one more month, you will see that we're trading at levels we last saw a year or so ago. United Health. Yes, Tim. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Maybe it's the green shirt. I I, I don't know. It's causing everything's a little crazy today. But this is a stock that to me was the performer for two years. It was rock solid. It was obviously a market leader. Um, Not only is the chart broken down, but my sense is that the healthcare industry as a place for getting 20 percent EPS growth. That is a question right now. Does that concern you? Yes, it obviously concerns me and it clearly concerns market participants because you've sold the stock off in a meaningful way. So I guess the question you have to ask is, is it already in the stock? I think yes. And I think the real question you have to ask is the Bernie Sanders plan or any variation thereof going to go through. And again, I think there is a chance, but I think the chance is so remote that at current valuations at current price, I think you have to be willing to take that shot. So, Guy, when you talk about this, it sounds like you're talking about a real fundamental story about a shift and you're getting a bargain basement price. So the last line that you just said was Bernie Sanders story is some derivation of that. The problem is on both sides of the aisle, it's a bipartisan issue. And we're going to be looking down the barrel of Medicare for all for the next uh, couple of years. So I think it's, is this a tradable stock for you or is this a long-term? No, that's fair. And Mel peppered me with questions last night about when the next election is. And good for me, I happen to know it was November 2020. And her point was, you're going to have this rhetoric right up until then. To your point, maybe post that as well. Yes, you're right. I think the rhetoric's going to sort of wane over the next couple months. I think they'll move on to something else. And I think you'll get that relief rally that hopefully will get the stock back to levels that it should be trading at. All right. No more questions. Time to vote. Are you buying or selling Guy's pitch on UNH, Tim? As Guy says, let's go Mets. I am also buying the stock. Nice job, buddy. All right. Uh, BK. Yeah. The answer to me is health. Yes. Why wouldn't you? I think this thing sold off as a trade. Why not? Hell. Yes. Health, yes. Nice. Uh, We're making a triple play. I'm going to say buy as well. Keep it on a short stop. Wow. Unfortunately, Pretty. 200 is a short stop, and that's 10% lower. Bye. Clean sweep here. Dust has spoken. But are you at home buying Guys Fit for United Health? Vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. Results at the end of the show. Still much more Fast Money. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. New kids on the block. Pinterest and Zoom soaring in their public debuts. Deidre Bose is in San Francisco to break down the action in both those stocks. Hi, Deidre. Hey, Melissa. Well, big first day pops for both of them. Pinterest up nearly 30 percent. Zoom soaring 72 percent, giving Zoom the fourth best IPO debut of the year behind Silk Road Medical, Shockwave Media and Jumia Technologies. Now, between Zoom and Pinterest, investors made about a billion dollars in paper gains today. And that bodes well for the upcoming IPO pipeline this year, like Uber, who is up next. But remember, guys, Lyft, too, saw a pop on its first day, though more subdued at around 8 percent, only to plunge some 20 5% since then. Research from UBS shows that it does take a while for the market to properly price these companies. There are very few unicorns that lose on the very first day, but after five years, a different picture. 60% of all IPOs actually had negative total returns, and only a very small percent had very good positive returns. Zoom and Pinterest, of course, very different companies. Zoom already executing, making money and more than doubling revenue last year, so it's seen as the safer, more stable play 
Pinterest, though, losing money, but it may represent bigger ambitions and eventually reach a bigger market. On that note, guys, Uber, of course, is up next with billions of dollars in losses and the promise to disrupt a trillion-dollar transportation market. So how Pinterest and Lyft, on one hand, money losers, and how Zoom, profitable, on the other hand, trade in the weeks leading up to that IPO will give us some clues on how public markets might receive Uber. Guys. All right. Deidre, thank you. Deidre Brosa in San Francisco. I think this notion that if the companies go public and there are no comps, no direct comps in the market, the market struggles to find a valuation. That seems like it's a message to investors. Hey, if there is a company, <laughs> it goes public. A price range is set. A price is, you know, it opens up at a certain yeah. price. You don't really know if that's the real price anyway. I mean, what kind well, of Well, yeah, is that? so there's, it's, it's tough, right? And these, these are very different than, than Lyft because, remember, Lyft, you have Uber coming right on its heels. So there's not really a comp to these. Not only that, you're talking about a company that's been focused 100% on top-line growth. I know Zoom makes money, but really, these are growth companies coming out there. So you do have this adjustment time when they come to the public market and they're under public market scrutiny that the stock price can suffer from that. None of these companies make money. 80, it's a record, 81%. That, it's a record. Okay, but to it's be fair, record. does that does that matter? I mean, haven't we seen many companies go public before? They don't make money. They still sure. don't make money, but the stock has been a but good investment. But these are mature companies. Yes, the stock you can make some money at, but eventually the fundamentals come into play. And when you look at Pinterest, where their losses are shrinking, they made $750 million in revenues, and they still lost $63 million. So I get it, the growthiness of it. But you have to worry about it when you start to see sales start to grind a little bit lower or lose traction, start to trend lower. I mean, a major difference between Zoom and Pinterest, at least, is one is B2C, one is B2B. One is more enterprise-oriented, in other words, Zoom, and, and, which is used to tell. And, I mean, and, and Pinterest has users like Guy Adami here who's got some kind of page sure, that he sure. allegedly maintains. And, you know, and, and one is not a penny it. stock in China, by the way. Zoom, Zoom video was confused. I won't even mention the other one, but there's, oh, really? there was a there's lot of confu- yeah. confusion. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of confusion on this IPO that it was actually... A, a very large company in China that trades. For, the bottom line here is I think the point is that there are not benchmarks for these companies. And, and to me, that is, I don't know why you can even get in here and value them. I'm, I'm staying away. Yeah. So you're going to green shirt it. No. You know what? No, I'm, not, I'm not going after Guy shirt here. No. All right. I'm not going after that shirt. Uh, anyway. Coming up, this industrial giant just had an all-time high. The traders are betting the rally is about to get sweeter. Hint, hint. We will tell you the name and what has not so bullish when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Honeywell surging to new highs today after a sweet earnings beat before the bell. That move sparking a flurry of options activity. Mike goes in San Francisco with the action. Hi, Mike. Hi there. So it's common to see elevated options volume going into earnings. Sometimes it's less common to see it coming out of it. But this time we saw 16 and a half times the average daily call volume. Most of that was opening. And where we saw a lot of that activity was in the May 175 calls, 13 and a half thousand of those trading for about 40 cents. Those are bullish bets that Honeywell's rally is going to continue and it's going to go up at least another 4% over the course of the next month. And I would also point out, when we look at activity like this, we try to find trades that basically characterize the overall sense of the flow. But this day, we saw significantly bullish activity in Honeywell. It wasn't really a 50-50 shot in this case. So definitely bullish activity looking for new highs. Guy, you like H-O-N? 
We have said for years, and great, I'm going to miss Mike tomorrow. No way, there is no way tomorrow. But what I'll say is we've said for years, overlay a Honeywell chart with a GE chart, and you'll see one company that's doing everything correctly and another company that's doing everything incorrectly. I won't tell you who is who. The chart speaks for itself. All right. Um, Mike, thank you for the action, and uh, we'll miss you on Happy Friday. Easter, Again, we are off uh, tomorrow for Good Friday, as is all of CNBC. But Options Action will be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Up next, final trades and the Twitter poll results. Front of that green shirt, I'll show you. Yeah, you did. Does the guy look good and healthy in it? You bet he does. Look at that. You right sure there. You see that? Wow. wow. He's wow. having the time of his life. That's America amazing. is buying his fast pitch. This is the first time in a very long time, maybe the first time ever for Guy specifically. So, congratulations. <laughs> I wear that guy Dami. Pitch on UNH. Time for the final awesome trade, Tim. Happy <laughs> Easter. Nice green shirt for Weed Week. Thank you, Canopy, for doing the deal during Weed Week. United Healthcare. Nice job, Guy. I'm with you. BK. You know, we don't talk about it a lot, but Copper is doing something really interesting. FCX Freeport. You buy that one. Grasso. Procter & Gamble reports next week. Buy it into earnings. Guy. In complimenting me, you managed to tweak me. It's, it's a great job by you it's in a skill. subtle way. It's, it's a wonderful. You tweaked? She was. She tried to compliment me, but it wasn't a really compliment. It was under, what do they call it, underhanded. Backhanded. Backhanded. Anyway, you won. Backhanded. What's your final trade? Boeing, BA, it comes out. All right, that does it for us. See you back here on Monday at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. Have a great weekend. I mean, that sacks, Boeing.